Father in heaven, Lord, we are grateful that we can be here on this beautiful day that you have made for us, that we can talk about things that you have created and learn more about them so that we don't have to be afraid. And we ask that you will help us to honor you in every way through this week, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so be not afraid. How many people in here are scared of bees? Okay, how many people in here know already that you're allergic to bees? You? Okay. Anybody else? Yeah? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. Okay, so there you go. There's a, there's a honeybee sitting on, um, I can't remember what this is called, but most people call it a bottle brush. I'm going to go ahead and take this off of this for right now. Most people call this a bottle brush. And that is actually my wife out in what was our original apiary. <laughs> it was a single hive is what we started with. Actually, at this point, I had a single hive here and a single hive at the farm, which is up here, and a single hive at home. Uh, this is actually on a maple flower. As If you look in the woods right now, you'll see some red flowers starting to come out on some of the trees. That's the maple. That is the start the official start of what we call our honey flow. When that happens, everything else starts going after that. You can see on here, the legs, you know, they're usually a, like a twig. You see how thick that is of pollen? And there's pollen all up and down its body. When you look inside of a hive for the first time, I can tell you, I wasn't so thoughtful that I was gonna be keeping bees when we started to plant an orchard. But they go hand in hand. This is what you're looking at. And you figure 20 frames, basically 20 bars like that, filled with bees, you're looking at around 50,000 bees. And of course, 99.9% .9 of the hive can technically sting you. So it can be a little bit intimidating. I can understand that. This one is just taking a drink of water at our little old bird bath that we have in our backyard in Deltona. And this is a traditional what most people will have for an apiary. Most people will have one, two, three hives. It's good to have at least two, just because if something goes wrong with one, you can share resources from one that might be doing better. And I can tell you, you can see this is my greenhouse right there, and I walk past here all the time. And I, they just ignore that I'm going by. So I'm going to tell you a few interesting facts about bees, things that I didn't even know until really recently. First of all, they see by ultraviolet light. That's a flower. And I'm not positive, but that might actually even be weeds. But that's how they see them. When we look at something out in the ground, you know, we see the colors that we see. That's what a bee sees. Oh. Here's another picture. This one I'm pretty sure is thistle. Thistle is that, you know, the one that gets the thorns all over it. Bees have five eyes. Five eyes. You always wonder why if you go up to a bee, it flies away real quick. Because it sees you from the top as well. I mean, granted, it has all these. I shouldn't say five eyes because it's compound eye, but they have 
the compound dies and then they have these eyes up here. There's actually one there, one there, and one there. And it's really weird. I didn't realize that until actually when I was starting to put together the program for here. And I'm like, I've been keeping bees this long and I didn't know that? Okay. Yep. Roughly 70% of what you eat is pollinated by a bee. If there wasn't a bee, imagine 70% of what you eat, you aren't eating anymore. That's how serious the situation is with bees at times. And of course, many of us are vegetarian and or vegan, and then that it even increases even more. And a bee will travel normally five miles but if there's a good sugar source or nectar source, they will literally go 10 miles. This outside ring is 10 miles away from where we are right now. The inside ring, that's five miles. This is my orchard. So what this tells you is my orchard, which is, I was thinking it was around 20 air miles away. It looks like maybe it's closer to 15. That means that my bees interact with bees that would be sitting here at Camp Kalakwa. It means that my bees will be acting, interacting with bees and bell, so on and so on and so on. That's how many diseases and many pests get shared, so to say. And that's why when something happens in one hive, and I can tell you in this area right here, I'm going to give you a rough guess that there's at least 50,000 hives because there's several commercial growers. Okay, so that five mile distance is a normal. 10 miles is if there's a good nectar source and then they will go that distance. But it gets to a certain point where it takes more energy to fly that distance than they're gonna get. So they only carry enough with them, enough food source basically with them to physically make that trip. So if something happens in between, they can end up not making it back to the hive. That's why a lot of times you'll see a bee that's just sitting on a leaf somewhere or just sitting on a flower somewhere and not doing anything. It's because it's having to rest. Then it's having to basically bring up some of what it was going to get, eat it back down into a different area. And so, yeah. There's people that call honey bee poop. It's not bee poop, just so you know. <laughs> and a bee is a very, actually very clean animal. One of the things that's driving these bees crazy right now is that they are and have been in this observation hive for a couple days. I let them out yesterday, but they didn't have enough time to clean out anything that died in here. Because every day in your hive, bees die. There's no way around it. A bee's lifespan is very short, but they, they will not use the bathroom inside the hive. They will only use the bathroom, even in the middle of winter when there's snow this deep, until they can get outside, and that's it. And the rest of the time, they hold it. And it has healing properties in honey. So if you have wounds, you can put honey on it, and it will actually help treat the wound. And guys, I'm sorry, and young boys, I'm sorry, but you know how you do work at home? We don't work in the hive. We are useless in the hive. 
All we do is eat. The, the women in the hive are the ones that do all the work. There's usually only about, let's say, 10 males in the entire hive. And you can tell the difference later on, you'll look, but the male drone cells, as they're called, are actually larger than the worker cells. And that's why I brought this particular sheet on the top so that you could see it. And a worker bee can carry 80% of its weight. Now, I have sat there in front of my hives and watched these things and just been amazed because you will see a bee picking up a bee flying probably 200 feet away and dropping the bee. It's a dead bee. That's how they get them out of the hive. They physically carry them out. They don't tear them apart. They don't take pieces. They take the entire bee and fly away with it. It's crazy. Now the, um, the queen is in the hive and will live for as much as six, seven years, usually at least two, unless something goes wrong. It leaves the hive one or two times, and that's it. The rest of its life, it's in the hive, unless they decide to swarm. Um, the queen is also the only bee that can sting more than once. The queen stinger is over here, and you see how it's smooth? The worker bee, which all are females, has this barbed um, stinger on it. And that's why, as you've heard, I'm sure, when a bee stings, it dies. When a honeybee stings, it will die. The, basically, the whole back of the bee will rip out, and it will eventually fly off and die. It's very similar to what happens with a drone. And parents, I'll let you go from there. Um, Ounce per ounce, bee venom is actually stronger and more deadly than cobra venom. But it takes basically 1,729 stings to kill me, to put it in perspective. I, the most I've been stung is 50 times. And that was not really the bee's fault. And that's a known thing when you're a beekeeper, you're going to say that. But I was pulling a hive out in the middle of the evening in, um, in shade. And never, ever, ever, if you have bees, put them out in the open. Don't ever put them in the shade. The entire lifetime of a bee will make one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Can you imagine that? Spend your entire life to make a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey, and that's it. Then you die, and you are literally to make a, it says to make a pound of honey. You have to the bees will fly about fifty-five thousand miles. That's basically just over twice, about what two and an eighth, maybe two and a tenth time around the world, just to make a pound of honey. That's why there's so much, so much fraud in honey. Truthfully, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably by now most of you guys in adult aspect anyway have probably heard all about that. This is an interesting fact as well. This is how bees make wax. They actually gorge themselves, or I should say the girls actually gorge themselves 
and they secrete wax. Then they form it and shape it into the beehive. Now this is not fresh wax. I've got in this box over here, I can show you the, the actual, this is what the wax looks like. This one's of course been touched a bit since it's been here, but you know, it gives you an idea. It's that gonna be this color. This is new wax. You can, but it's probably not gonna be the best of thing right now because this has been touched by a whole bunch of people. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat this. But, you know, when you get it and it's fresh, yeah, you can eat it. When it starts turning brown like this, it's going to be the nastiest thing you ever put in your mouth. I'll tell you that right now. Because basically, in their transformation from larva to bee, it kind of makes a cocoon. And that's the remnants. Is That's why it turns dark. Okay, let's see. Oh, it's working. That is in front of my few beehives that I have at my house. Not at our apiary, this is at our house. Now notice the way these blocks are standing. Um, I think later in here we're gonna talk about some pests a little bit, but that's why I have them this way and I'll describe that a little bit later as to why. But that's what it looks like when you're standing in a hive. Granted, it's usually going a little faster. My computer's not running as fast as it could be. So there's rolls in the hive. These are the rolls. They basically, first they start off in life cleaning, then they are nursing the larva, then they help the queen, which some of them basically, the queen, since she never leaves the hives, they have to remove her. Yes, yes. When, yeah, they, they take care of her going to the bathroom. Let's put it that way. So they take care of that. Then the next job they'll have is they actually make wax. Then they are the air conditioner or the heater. They actually will eat a lot of honey and they will warm things up by doing that or they will flap their wings and turn on the air. Then they will become a, a guard bee. Then their last job until they drop dead is their forager which means they might go out on one trip for honey or for nectar and one trip for pollen. They don't do it at the same time. They go after one or the other. Usually you will find them bringing in pollen most often in the morning and the late evening and nectar through the day. Not always, but that's kind of the general rule of thumb. And then there's the queen, which she's actually right up there. When you pull out the the pieces you know the frames you want to move them slowly and you want to start from the outside because the queen is usually in the middle and a queen can lay as much as 2,000 eggs in a day imagine that laying 2,000 eggs in a day no thank you so I guess that's why they do all the work uh, but anyway but the queen will leave one, maybe two times in her life, and that's the last time she will come out of the hive until she's either killed or they swarm. They're only going to usually swarm if there's a big problem in the area that they're in or if it turns out that uh, their hive is overgrowing and they need to. Okay, the we basically talked about that one. The drone basically flies out. When his job's done, he's dead. Um, a swarm. How many people have heard of a swarm? How many people have seen a swarm? Okay. 
I will tell you, watching it happen, as sad to say, I've seen it happen in my hives where I didn't catch it in time, and they all will start crawling out, they will be sitting on the side, and then they start this tornado, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. This tornado ends up getting about 15 feet wide, 30 feet tall. And then once they all come together, then they fly off when the queen comes out. They go to where it is that they're going to go to. And then the tornado happens again in reverse order. The queen will land and everybody just tornadoes down. There are times where, especially if it's cold or if the distance is, is a long way away, the queen will get tired because the queen is large and she's got a lot of extra weight because this is now not a new queen. This is the old queen that's going. So it's a fertile queen that's leaving. And um, so she's on her way. She can't make it. So she might, they might stay there for the night. Usually when she lands, let's say if she can't make it, it's going to be, let's say, 3 o'clock. She'll stay there around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, so they'll rest there and they'll stay there for that day. And then they'll leave about 10 o'clock in the morning. They are, if they're in the hive, it's, a, it's different time-wise. But that's about when I usually see stuff like that happening. So if I were to get a phone call about a swarm from the county or the city or the police department or fire department, if I'm not there... By 10 o'clock in the morning, they're gone. And sometimes I get a call and I'll go out and I'll get them. And getting, catching a swarm is a lot easier than removing a colony. And they're actually not... Whoa, it kicked... Hey, somebody hit a wire that worked. Let me turn this down now. Okay, let's see. All right, are we good now? Okay, so now I'm going to go back to talking a little bit more normal. All right, so this, this next picture, it's actually not dangerous, but it sure looks freaky, doesn't it? Would it bother you to find that on the back of your car? Yes. Why? Because what can they do, right? What it, they can sting you, right? But guess what? In that situation, the likelihood of you getting stung is almost zero. Most people that go out, now I will not do this anymore, but most people that go out to go get something like that, they go out there, they'll be in their shorts or their pants and this regular shirt, and they'll just take a brush and start sweeping them up. I go ahead and wear my suit. I, I, I got to where I was starting to do that, and I was like, Neh, and then I got stung a few times. I'm like, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But swarming usually happens in the spring, early fall, depending on what, where you're at. But they have to have a good source of nectar if they're going to swarm. And what will happen is about half the hive will leave when they swarm. So when, if, you're, if all of a sudden you've got a beehive and you've got a whole lot of bees and then all of a sudden half of them are gone, that's why. Okay, so what kind of things can happen to a hive out in the wild or in your backyard? I can tell you that little guy right there can be a real problem because what they do is they'll go up to the entrance of the hive and they'll start knocking on it 
and knocking on it and knocking on it and the bees will start coming out and they'll start eating them like popcorn and they go up at night because they know all the bees are in there at night and not as many are going to come out now the flip side of that is you see how i have them on blocks if you have them up on blocks about that high that would make the skunk have to stretch which means it exposes its belly so it's less likely to go after those because they're up a lot of there are some people that keep them on uh, pallets which are way down to the ground that increases that risk if you have bears that's how people solve the bear problem there's no other way around it you've got to use the high-powered electric fence the small stuff isn't going to cut it this is one of the major problems beekeepers have in cities in the country anywhere roundup is one of the absolute worst things that you can do on a crop when it comes to your pollinators a bee will go after roundup before it will go after a flower and so I've always, you know, they suggest, and I think even in information, if you are going to use something of that nature, use it about a half an hour before the sun goes down. Don't use it in the morning. Don't use it in the middle of the day. Because that way, at least by morning, most of the effect of it is gone and dried up. Seven dust, which I actually thought it was S-E-V-E-N, but I guess it's not. It only takes one grain, one little piece of that powder will kill an entire hive. And, and they have you, you know, they tell you to sprinkle it all over your plants, right? So if one piece of that dust can get in a hive and kill 50,000 bees, what, you're, what are you putting in yourself? But that's, that's, the, that's the reality. Okay. Everybody, I'm sure, knows that being a tractor with a sprayer on it. Okay, what happened to me and has happened to many other people, and this is, I think, one of the major, long, the major declines of what we're having with our bees all over the world, is this right here is a, yeah, this is the peanut field. This is not the same year, but this is the same tractor, same place. I had left on a Sunday. I came back on a... Friday afternoon with all that I needed to divide all of my hives because they were so full and basically this is not mine because mine it made me so sick uh, and it was getting close to Sabbath and I was like what am I going to do because there's nothing I can do for these things and basically that's how their life ended because there was they were all dead I found 10 out of five hives that were getting ready to be 10, 10 hives, I found 10 bees alive and they looked like they had Parkinson's. And I looked through all of these dead bees, which at, by that point had stunk horribly. And I could not find a single pest, single issue, single anything on it. I ended up losing all the hives, all the um, frames, all the honey, everything had to go up like this because all the honey became poison. You know, there was nothing in there that was, could be used. What was that? He sprayed actually a fungicide two weeks before harvesting his, two weeks before harvesting his peanuts, he sprayed a fungicide on them. 
And I'm like, why did you spray a fungicide two weeks on a ground crop that you're getting ready to harvest? It didn't make sense to me, but they didn't want the army worms to come in there and they didn't want this to come in there and that to come in. But they, and I'm like, you're harvesting it in two weeks. What is a fungicide going to do? But anyway, so he and I had some lengthy conversations and I let him know if it ever happens again. You know, and he's a friend of mine. I said, if it ever happens again, I do have to report it because I have already contacted the state agriculture department about this one. And they told me exactly what to do and why. But that's how it ended. So what can you guys do? What do you think? What, can you, what do you think you might be able to do to help bees? You can find out what bees like that grow in your area. And there's a lot of people that have, and a lot of farmers have actually started to try to in increase their pollinators on their crops by putting, putting the flowers around the outside of their farms. And that allows the, the pollinators to be coming in. And that's a huge help. And then it also makes it so that it looks prettier as you're driving down the road. I mean, hey, why not, right? So here's some other, some other types of things here that I just had pictures of. Um, and this actually kind of goes through some of the different flowers in different times. But of course, this is not in our area here in Florida. It may not relate to your area there, but you can easily find what would. But this is the type of stuff that they go after. Clover, for example, is a huge one. Gives you a little bit thinner honey, but it's, my wife actually really likes clover honey. And then this is just some, I don't even know if you can see them, but it's just kind of a list of some of the stuff that people have been doing. And it will help overall because if, you ha if you're growing plants that are pest free or using safe pesticides, if you're using them, stuff like that, it would be a huge help. So this one's somewhat out of order, but you can see this is a tree actually up in Daytona I got a phone call about. The hive that I was going after is actually right up there. I had a 24-foot ladder they couldn't reach. The guy brought out a 30-foot ladder. They were going to be bringing me a bucket to go up in, and they couldn't get hold of the bucket. So I ended up, me, who isn't the most thrilled with heights, went up that ladder as it was wobbling around the whole time, and I had to go around the branch that you see up towards the top there to get up to where I had to get to. So anyway, and I ended up with a chainsaw, and they hoisted it up, and... We cut it down, and when it got cut, it was sitting here swinging right like this. Not but maybe six inches from my leg. I think I have a picture of the hive in here. Um, yeah, there it is. That's the hive. That hive, I don't think I have the picture of it on the ground, but that hive was this long. And it was about like that tall. And most of that comb, as you can see, is what color? Okay, so what does that mean? Do you remember from earlier? That's a new Very good. You are smart. 
Oh, there it is. Okay, so that gives you a perspective because that's sawhorses. So that'll give you a rough idea of the size of that hive. The guy that um, was there, he came over to start taking some pictures. I'm like, you might not want to get quite that close. And he was like, oh, really? And then he's like, oh, wow, and he ran off. <laughs> but, you know, you think about it. And I'm st the funny thing is, is I was standing right there next to it, and I'm working on this, and I actually cut this up into pieces while I was sitting there, and they really never bothered me. But I also, by that point, I had honey on my hands, and that detracts them. Sometimes things happen that aren't good. That's probably a truck that was headed to California. S about 70% of the bees head to California every year. In, from the entire United States and when that happens sometimes there's accidents and you end up with something like that now that you're gonna have agitated bees I can tell you that but that said if you have the proper stuff with you they won't bother you because they want to get back into their box so I'm going to show you a few interesting hives. You'll probably like this because there, there's only a couple of them in here, but it'll give you an idea. Oh, it turned it around. Huh. No, it's all right. It turned it around. But that is supposed to show you honey flowing out of the back of a hive. Why it turned it, I don't know, but I guess it's not going to work. But this is a, a, um, like a globe that somebody had and they had bees go in it and you can just leave them in there how do you like this and they fly in and out of the mouth over here you like that and then people sometimes they decorate them all up like that make dollhouse looking and I, I, I can tell you, I have seen some extremely elaborate ones. And then you've got just this standard where somebody's painted it up just to make it look nice. Um, this is a different type of hive, but it will show you the, the bees will actually sort their honey. It seems crazy, but they do. So you have this, each one of these pretty much is a different harvest. With the exception of like, for example, here, to here they got on this one and then they probably ran out and started just filling the rest so it kind of has a mixture but for the most part you can see it's pretty well sorted out and this one is actually it's even dripping so you can tell it's ready to be harvested and over on the side over here this is this is actually what they call a flow hive but um, on the back side over there you can actually see the honey coming down Oh, now that's flowing out. Look at there. It doesn't show that it's flowing out too well, but you can kind of see it's moving. But anyway. Okay. Are you kids ready? Watch this. I'm not in these pictures. I don't think either or any of you are either. This is actually a competition that they do every year someplace. No thank you. All right. I don't mind bees. 
I don't need to have a nose. I don't need to have straws stuck in my nose so I can breathe. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not. That's not me. But there are people that have no issue with doing this, and they do it. And they see how long they can tolerate it and try to break the world record, I guess. I can think of much better things to do with my time. I, yeah. I can't quite hear you. Yes. Yes. I do understand, though, that there is a lady somewhere, and I've seen her face and covered in bees, that that's her clothing. But not me. This is a little bit more normal of what you're going to see when you go to a fair and there's a bee exhibit or something like that, where they literally will take and they'll either put some honey or they'll put the queen on the person and trap her or something to keep her there, and then everybody else will come there. They're not going to, they're really not going to attack you, but I'm still not going to do it. I mean, you, you want to, if that's fine. I don't mind, but it's not for me. I've got one right over here. So the queen is basically the, the main bee that's in charge, so to say. But on one hand she is, and one hand she's not. But she does, her attributes are what determines the nature of the hive. If you have an aggressive hive, then you would want to turn around and get a different queen that's not as aggressive. But if you can tolerate an aggressive queen, an aggressive hive, you might end up with more honey because they generally tend to work better. The males, all they do is basically cost the hive. Once they're done, they're done. And let's see, I think, yep, that was it. So do you have anybody that has questions? And then after questions, I'll show you a few things if you want. Okay, let me, let me start with her back here. Go ahead. Yeah. Pretty much, yes. The, what you generally find out happening with honeybees is when you see them, when somebody sees them out in a tree somewhere, how many kids do you know would take a rock and throw it at them? Quite a bit, right? So if that happens, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go after the closest thing that's doing whatever it is that they think is causing that problem. But if you, I mean, I can literally walk by the front of a hive. I could open this up and walk past this back and forth and they'd be no issue. But would I go and stick my finger in there and start wiggling it around? Because what would I be doing? I'd be telling them that I'm, a, I'm an animal trying to eat them. So they're going to go after me and they're going to say, get away from me. When I'm trying to get the honey, what do I do? Okay. First thing I do is I put on my gloves. These are like lambskin on the end and then canvas here. So I'll put on my gloves and I'll usually take these off because even though I need them to read, I don't necessarily need them at the distance and stuff like this. So I'm usually okay there. Then I will put on my jacket like this. 
and I will tighten up the wrist because you don't want the bees to fly to crawl up in there which my velcro is starting to get old so I'll do that so that they don't go in through here on both sides and I actually go like this I do not wear a full suit anymore I have one but I don't wear it anymore um, I have that more now if somebody's helping me so that they'll have a suit. And then when I'm done with that part, I go like this and like this. And I'm ready. And then so I'll come over here and let's say, let's say this is the beehive. I'm going to slide this over here now. Okay, let's say this is the beehive and I want to get the honey out. Let me first find where the honey is. Okay, so what I'm going to do first is I'm going to push all the frames to one side or the other. So I'm going to, I'm going to move them all. Of course, it's going to be this way because if I turn it on a side like this, everything's going to run out. So I'm going to push everything to one side. Then I'm going to take this one from the first frame and I'm going to pull it out push it back the other way and I'm going to pull it out and then I'm you know I'll be holding it like this because I'm going to be going straight up yeah these are pictures they're not actually bees this is the honey right here that's what the honey would look like inside the hive so let's go ahead and pass this around go ahead and go ahead and take it it's there's nothing on it that's going to hurt you I actually I actually just bought a new one that is like mesh and it's three layers of mesh separated and so that is I'm hoping going to be a whole lot cooler because this when it's a hundred degrees outside oh, I, I sweat like a pig after two hives now this one is not ready yet if I were to take this honey out of the hive it would actually ferment because you see how it's white or white around here but not in here it has to be white capped all they call it capped on both sides all the way around in order to harvest it so go ahead and pass that one around too and when it's all done we'll get them all back in the box how's that that and I'm when I'm taking these out I'm checking for bugs granted these are bugs but I'm checking for pest bugs making sure everything's okay, making sure there's no mites in there and things like that. And then I go, okay, that's all right. So I'm going to put it in here and I'm going to move it to the side. Then I'm going to pull the next one out because you don't want to have these two right like this and pull them out like this. Because if you do that, you could do what's called rolling your bees. And if your queen is in there and gets rolled, you could kill the queen. So you always want to separate them and then bring it up. And that's why you start by taking one out. And a lot of times you'll find on one side or the other, you have one that doesn't have a whole lot of comb on it. And that's the one you want to take out first. Now, I'm going to send this one through. And in little groups of you guys, don't tell the other people when you figure it out. Find the queen. And once you, know, once you see her, you're going to know that's who it is. Let me send this one this way. That one doesn't have a queen, but this one over here has the queen. So keep, no, 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 the one right here that has, says queen on top. Yeah. 
And I'm going to send this. I'll send this one around this way. Okay, pass it around. Once you see her, you're going to know it's her. Because she looks a whole lot different. So pass it on to the next group of kids. Okay, so now your question. When that year that all of my bees died, almost every bee by then had been taken to California. It was very difficult to get any bees. So I ended up losing an entire year and a half because of it because it, I'm still recovering from that now, and this is three years later. I'm just now getting to the point where I was, I'm close to where I was then. That's how long it takes to recover from something like that. But yeah, I get them from actually, the original bees I got from a friend of mine that does, does it for a living. Okay, the worker bees literally work themselves to death. They usually will live between one and three months, maybe maybe two and a half. That's it. The normal is probably like 45, 50-ish days. It's not very long. It's best, yeah, it's best to have it out in the bright light. One reason is because less bees will be in the hive. Another reason is they perceive less of a threat and they aren't when it gets dark, they're all in the hive. Um, so like when it's starting to hit twilight, they're already long in there. They're not a threat because they have nothing to defend. So as a result of having nothing to defend, they're not too terribly worried about what happens. And I can tell you the, the quickest swarm I've ever caught was I went in the middle of the night, I walked up to the guy's place, he showed me where they were in a, in a bush. I said, is it all right if I take a cutting off of this bush? He says, you can do whatever you want. I said, okay. So I put my little bucket down underneath the bush. Or actually, I think it was an orange tree. But it was just tiny. It was only about like this. And I snipped a couple branches off. I picked it up. I set it down in the box. Closed up the box and said, okay, I'm done. And he was like, what? I'm done. You can come out. <laughs> yeah. No, the bees generally are not, not going to die from a swarm because what they're doing is the bees are finding a new place to live where they want to be. And so they're actually very, very strong because it's the older bees that are the ones that are leaving with the queen. The original queen leaves, the new queen stays because you, you're not going to find two queens in a hive very often. How is honey made? It's made out of flower nectar. So, you know, if you've ever tasted a flower, basically, or the nectar inside the flower, that's what they use. Um, and they use anything. They, they use poison ivy flower. You know, they don't care. It's not going to bother them. Um, you know, they will use literally almost any flower that there is, and they will what they do is they basically share it back and forth a little bit. So some people call it bee spit. Well, that's probably a little bit more accurate than what the other term people use for it. But they share it back and forth and they put it in the cells and they just let it, they keep fanning it to dry it. And ultimately it gets down to where the, the moisture content is low enough and then they'll cap it. And that's why it turns white like that. That means it's ready. Yeah.
When I split a hive, 99% of the times I'm going to let the new hive make their queen. And there are times where I might take the new queen to the, to the new hive, but usually I'm going to let the new hive make its own queen. And I'll take five of these, five of these frames that are going around, and I'll make sure there's eggs in there. I'll make sure there's tiny, tiny, tiny larvae and workers and everything else, and I'll make sure it's really good stuff. I'll put it in the box, five frames, and I'll let them go and come back and check on them in a couple weeks and just make sure that they've started making a queen. If they haven't, then that might be a sign that they're not going to because by then there already should be a queen cell. No, what might happen, he was asking if there's a bear that's attacking it. Um, you know, if it's a swarm and a bear is attacking it. The bear actually are usually going after two things. They're going after the grub, which is the, the worm part of it, it's larva stage basically. And they're going after the honey. A lot of people say it's more the grub than it is any, the honey, but they'll be more than happy to take both. But what could happen is if a bear got in there and tore up a hive, that they may fly away to go somewhere else to keep them safe. So they'll take the queen away. If the hive's getting attacked, they, you know, the queen and them will leave. Why do bees die? A lot of times it's pesticides. A lot of times it's insects that have gotten in there and destroyed them. Um, sometimes it's a thing called a varroa mite, which is almost like a, like a tick, basically, to a bee. And it's really big. So there's things like that that happen, but a lot of times I've found that it's pests, pesticides that people are spraying and they bring it back to the hive. And people, a lot of people don't realize they're doing it. Why do they swarm? Okay, so bees will swarm if the hive is too full or if there's no food source and they have no way to find what they need to live. That's, that's a last ditch effort to, to keep things going, but they don't want to leave if they don't have to leave. Yeah. Bees eat what's called bee bread. They take, you remember the picture that had the, the pollen on the back of the bee? They mix that with honey and they pack it into cells and they turn it into, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's not Amish bread, but it's like friendship bread or something like that, where you have some kind of like a starter dough and you pass it around to everybody for a few weeks or something. Anyway, they make something like that and they turn it into bread and that's what they eat. Why are their honeys different color? Because the nectar they're bringing in is different color. Um, buckwheat, for example. Does anybody, here, does anybody here grow buckwheat? Anybody? Okay, buckwheat gives a very, very, very dark honey. It's an interesting flavor and some people say it's an acquired taste because it's a little bit more bitter at times than others. There's certain plants that will give dark honey. There's certain plants that will give very, very light honey. And some plants will actually give clear honey. Um, if you look on, if you come by my booth, I can show you a piece of honey or a piece of honeycomb with honey in it. And it's from what we call the rain tree here in Florida. And it blooms and it's out for a few weeks and bees go nuts over it and then it's gone. And the honey is 
almost like watery. It's so, I mean, it's not watery thickness, but it's watery color. It's clear, really clear. So each flower has its own kind of color that it gets. Yeah. The ideal temperatures for honeybees was his question. And it, what that comes down to is they usually keep the hive somewhere around 95 degrees. And they either do that by eating it. Please don't tap, don't tap on it, okay? They um, either do that by eating a whole bunch and making heat or by cooling it off with their, with their wings. Outside temp, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they live in the wild, they're going to live out in the open. Yeah. If you just put a little bit of sugar water on your finger or put a little sugar water, a drop of it down there, it'll start licking it and then it'll fly away. Um, but just keep in mind, a lot of times the bee's life is so short that it's very likely that it's because they're already, when they're foraging, they're in the last stage of life anyway. And part of that, I think, is because so many might not make it back from it. I could be wrong, but I didn't create them. I'm just fascinated by them. <laughs> yes, you have a question. The only way you're going to know if it's a queen or a worker is by the size of the cell. Because a queen cell is going to look like, oh, I think we just lost it again, didn't we? Okay. A queen cell is going to be about the size of a peanut. And a worker cell is going to just come to the top of the, the, top of the hive and cap off. So that's how you know the difference. And a drone cell will come to the top with a little bit of a rounded out kind of cap. So that's how you can tell the difference of what's going to be there. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.